0: Welcome to the Fabric Podcast. This week, Greg Meyer continues the conversation about our place with Brenda Caselius,
1: the Executive Director of Fresh Energy, as they look for a sense of hope in how kids play a role in our place. This week and next week, we're talking about our place. And our place meaning planet Earth, right? Um, And one of the problems is that we've thought this was our place, and we can do with it what we want. And in fact, that's what we're supposed to do. And we've gotten ourselves into a lot of trouble. Um, because it isn't our place alone. It's our place to share with others. And so our struggle and what we're trying to do these weeks is understand, well, what is our place within this place? And how, we, uh, how are we a part of all things rather than apart from all things? And um, so that's been an important thing for us. I have a very special guest today, uh, a friend. Uh, goes back a ways, Brenda Casalius. And Brenda... Um, uh, has spent the last couple decades I won't say how many right. I don't even know
0: <laughs> three decades
1: three decades yeah plus. well I've got four decades plus <laughs> so you're, you're good um, but she's she's spent the last couple of decades trying to make this world a better place for our kids um, which is just an amazing thing and she's done most of it through education she was yep. assistant superintendent right of Minneapolis
0: yep, in Minneapolis yep, for middle and high schools
1: then also in Atlanta
0: I so? was in Memphis in Tennessee. Memphis that's it
1: I, I knew it was southeast mm-hmm. of Memphis um, and, and then was back here as the state commissioner for education some years ago, and then went to Boston Public Schools That's and was right. the superintendent there. But we pulled her back to Minnesota, and she's <laughs> the executive director of Fresh Energy. So kind of making a switch, um, uh, you know, from p- pure education to more of the environmental field, but uh, um, but really still kind of the driving force is what you said, is I want to make this world a better place for my kids, That's and... Right. And we need to do that through um, dealing with climate change. So, That's right. um, so Brenda, um, how do you see the situation today?
0: Well, um, thank you, Greg, for having me, and welcome everybody to this discussion. Um, you know. I didn't see myself moving into this kind of position um, after 34 years of really leading in education, but um, I think I was called to this position to really open my eyes, both personally and also just as a state policymaker. And having had eight years as state commissioner, serving with Mark Dayton uh, as governor, you know, on these types of really big system-level um, impacts. And doing it in a way that we are still—I'm still keeping my focus on children and what they need. Certainly, I can work on continuing to give them uh, excellent education and an equitable education. But I got to thinking, what is that if there's no planet for them to thrive in, and how important it is to to really have policies that drive these kinds of system changes. So currently, um, I was able to replace an incredible um, leader, uh, Michael Noble, in this space and had been working for the past 30 years with Fresh Energy. He was the founder of Fresh Energy to really work on decarbonization and um, our electric grid and making sure that energy was equitably accessible to all of Minnesota and throughout the entire state. And he calls this the decisive decade. This is the decade that we have to turn back the clock on what we are doing in terms of greenhouse gas emissions um, because it is um, killing our plants, it's warming our environments. This summer, how many of you are kind of going, are we in some sort of tipping point right now? The smoke that we have had, the fires that we have seen The warming of the oceans around the world. um, And it just is not sustainable. And we have to do something now. So this is the decisive decade.
1: Yeah, it doesn't take uh, too much observation to know this is really affecting our kids. And uh, you were telling me a little bit uh, about how, you know, younger generations are being impacted by this. Yeah. um, In terms of like, what? What depression and just anxiety around things and making life choices um, because of a a, what a weight hanging over heads. Yeah, it's it
0: is um, really devastating for our young people. Uh, In Boston Public Schools, our student advisory council put together a curriculum that we adopted around climate change and climate standards to be able to teach. Young people, agency, and a sense of agency around what they can do and what we can all do together to really impact um, our own personal behavior and choices Mm -hmm. that we're making around um, how we electrify our homes, what cars we drive in automobiles, how we um, deal with waste in our homes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And you know, they would tell me that uh, they felt a, a huge amount of sadness and mental health because of it. There are actually studies around mental uh, wellness for children. And about 57% of children and young people today say they are feeling extreme anxiety and stress around climate change to the point that they're significantly changing their life choices around um, how many children to have, if to have children, and where to live. It's it's tremendously sad.
1: Yeah. And in a, so this is the opportunity. Our, our, our kids are deciding right now... They're, determining their perspective on the world and and so on. And I think if, if we aren't proactive about the situation, you know, that just shifts to worry, right? Because there's yeah. lots of reason to worry. Um, but, but I think we have the opportunity to be raising our children as environmentalists rather than consumers. And, and I, I, the the tide of teaching us to grow up and to think in, term, in terms of our relationship with the world as a consumer is so strong. I mean, it comes at us from everywhere and uh, so it just becomes a default position and from that position like what do I do I mean, I I, I don't know how to operate but instead can we raise our children where their default way of looking at the world and seeing the world is as an environmentalist or maybe there's another word for that but rather than a consumer and you know that'd be my hope and um, you introduce what's like how does that happen how can we use education whether it's happening in school or whether it's happening in families like how, how can we begin to do that
0: So I think in education, obviously, for schools, there's a lot that we can do around teaching children science and environmental science and understanding the science behind uh, greenhouse gas emissions and what our choices actually mean in terms of real impacts. We get to look around here at the falls today and see beautiful trees that are amazing. We're breathing mostly clean air, uh, you know, depending on the day. Um, And we have beautiful lakes and streams and a beautiful um, forestry and ecology and animal life. And it all is interrelated. And we as humans are interrelated with our place here. Um, And so it's absolutely critical that schools play a huge important piece of teaching children that. I remember as a young person going to camp you know, here in Minnesota. Minnesotans, I think, are really raised as sort of environmentalists and really taking care of our lakes and taking care of our parks. And it's a it's a value that we have. And we just have to constantly be teaching that and role modeling that as adults um, for our children in the choices that we're making and the opportunities that we're giving to our children.
1: Right. So I think one of the big moves, one of our hopes today in this conversation is this acknowledge that there's a lot of climate anxiety out there um, and you don't have to be a kid to be that. Uh, I think all of us are feeling that and how can we replace that with climate knowledge kind of being uh, literate about it and also proactivity around those sort of things so that we see ourselves as being connected to this world in inextricable ways and we make choices and we create a world you know that is healthier and that is sustainable and Melissa I know you're here somewhere. I think you've got a way to maybe help us see that, right?
2: I do. I do have a way. I need some cups. I need a couple people to help Joan build. She's going to build. I mean, I heard Brenda say this. This is a decisive decade. And, man, we have Isaac. Thank you. Awesome. Maybe one more builder. Come up here. What you're going to be building up here is really, like, the problem. On this table, when you guys think of, like, our world, are there some challenges that come to mind, either from you three up here or people? Like, what are some of the challenges that when you think, oh, it's a decisive decade, as Brenda said, ooh, that sounds really big. So, like, I think of the Colorado River is, is drying up. My parents live in Arizona, and that feels so big and heavy to me. So I'm putting this cup down for that. What else? Let's throw some things out there. Um, and you guys can start building this, what I call like a fortress of problems. It feels big and impenetrable. All right, so they're going to be building, um, start thinking of some more parts of this, this, this fortress of challenges. We also need some balloons. Um, I think, yeah, Landon's got balloons. And need a couple balloon blowers. The folks who are going to be very sanely worried about this fortress of problems, right? They're looking at it and they're like, "Oh my gosh, this is really bad." Because they're paying attention and they're awake. And I want you to to blow your worry about this into the balloon. Okay. Now hold it in there and um, keep blowing the worry in. So, what are some of the things to be worried about here? What's in our fortress? Wildfires. People People dying from heat in the south. In Greece, there's a bunch of fires today, I heard. There's more to worry about. Keep blowing. Keep blowing. Oh, you don't have time to tie that balloon. Keep blowing. There's a lot to worry about. Here. Here's another one just in case. Keep blowing. Out in the audience, you can keep yelling out problems if you want. Drought. All right, big storms, severe weather, warming oceans. Oh my gosh, the coral reefs, the garbage patch. Oh man, keep blowing, you guys. Hold on to it. There's so much to worry about. And look, the problems just keep building. Oh, my gosh. Can you worry a little more, please? Worry harder. Come on, people. How you doing? Dan? Okay. You got it? Keep worrying until they get fixed. You guys, nothing's happening. Is anyone else feeling out of breath right now? I'm getting more anxious. (laughs) Builders, why don't you step back for a second? Let's just look at this problem. What else could you do with this worry? I wonder if there's something else we could do with it. How could this worry maybe be applied to those cups? Go for it, people. Use your imagination. Put your worry somewhere over there. Get over there. Go up close. Try some stuff. Let's give the warriors, the builders rounds of applause. thank you thank you
1: Well, other than making a mess all over the place that's anymore. pretty good go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Now maybe these are good reminders here uh, we don't want to forget about it. you aren't going to forget about these things because it is a big deal and it doesn't just go away but we do have all this energy that's being created around us from um, the situations and if we just hold all that energy and worry about it, you know that doesn't work it doesn't do anything but can we direct it can we do something with all that because um, i think there's hope Brent, brenda you you have you're you you would not be doing this and if you didn't feel there was hope
0: yeah i there is a lot of hope and people are um really moving the moving the cups so to speak and moving the worry to action and this past year um we had an Inflation Reduction Act. Um, Joe Biden and the Congress were able to come to agreement um, on the Inflation Reduction Act, which has a lot of tax incentives and goals and standards for moving us in America to um, a place where it is sustainable, where we can keep the temperature rise down to 1.5, hopefully less than two, if we don't meet the 1.5% increase. and in Celsius um, degrees. And here in Minnesota, we also passed the 100% standard to decarbonize our um, electric grid by 2040. So we have one of the most aggressive um, goals and standards and laws behind it. And um, a, over a billion dollars we'll be putting into it here in Minnesota and upwards of over a trillion dollars in the nation to meet this moment and to really, tackle this problem together through manufacturing, through um, additional transmission lines so that we can make room on the grid, additional renewable energy um, uh, innovation happening with wind and solar, nuclear, hydropower, hydrogen power, just a lot of really great innovation happening, and then also innovation happening around storage and being able to store. And this then transfers to transportation and EVs, um, electric vehicles, electric bikes, heat pumps for for, um, your houses. So a lot of different opportunities for us to be involved, as well as the broader business community and broader community um, with some of these new laws and new legislation. One really good point to know is here in Minnesota, we've been able to drop greenhouse gas emissions by 23% since 2005. And so there is hope, there is hope. And it's by our own individual behavior and making our own individual choices around our own demand for electricity. So shutting off those lights like our parents taught us to do still makes a big difference. Turning down the thermostat makes a big difference. Driving an EV car, if you can afford one, there are some huge, big incentives right now. $7,500 for most families can afford, um, can, can um, qualify for these incentives. Uh, there's additional incentives that are gonna be coming from the state of Minnesota on top of the federal incentives, as well as uh, e-bikes, $750 off of an e-bike if you wanna get an e-bike so um, just a ton of opportunity right now and that's why we're saying this is the decisive decade because we have to move five times faster than we're currently moving right now to meet these ambitious goals
1: right you know and and a lot of people you know worry they say well this solution that we're talking about now doesn't doesn't really fix it's got problems too yeah this is true i mean these are steps next steps right we aren't saying that this is The ideas, the solutions that are being forwarded now are the perfect thing, but they are the next steps towards getting that. You know, like we often say at Fabric, the purpose of every decision, every action, every choice is in order to help us set up for the next one. So that one can be even better. So that's what we're talking about. And we have done hard things in the past, folks. When I was growing up... um, we didn't have seat belts at first and then they got introduced. And no one wanted to wear them. And then finally I remember when my family decided we had to wear them. But there's a fight every time you got in the car. Did I have to wear my seat belt, dad? Yeah, you have to wear your seat belt. And then you brought someone else in the car and you said, "You got to put on your seat belt." And so, "Well, we don't wear seat belts." And so, "Well, if you're in our car, well, first it was like, okay, you don't wear seat belts. And then after a while, well, if you're in our car, you got to wear seat belts." Well, guess what? Today, we all wear seat belts. Okay, there's somebody who doesn't, but they're the real outliers. I mean, we wear seatbelts today. I mean, it's been true around smoking. Um, I grew up; you couldn't go to a restaurant, you couldn't be in an office without people smoking, and there you breathe it all the time. Yeah. Your house yeah. smelled like smoke. Um, that isn't true anymore. We have done hard things in the past. Yeah. We can do hard things in the future too. Um, we have to realize that the adoption can be slow, but we also have this sense of urgency. So let's speed it up, and that's. Make really deliberate choices around these things. One thing
0: that's really um, good in that analogy is now I just get in my car, I put my seatbelt on, and it's just a habit. I don't even think about it anymore. And so I think that you, when you can get these kinds of um, behaviors become habits, and where you don't think about them anymore, then it then you get really good compliance, and we're all working on the same toward the same goal.
1: Right. And I and I think um, if you're of older generations. Um, I mean, probably even being like over 30, you remember like the world that how it was is so normative that doing things that comply to a more climate friendly world feel a little funny and awkward to you. Younger kids generations don't have that awkwardness. They know that the yeah. world has to be different. They are already raised up, but it's okay. You can do these things. So we, older, we adults need to get over our hangups, the stuff that feels weird and awkward to us, and realize that our kids are ready for this. They are environmentalists. They have a different consciousness. They, ha- they realize the world needs to be different and they are ready to make these, those changes. Mm-hmm. They just need the people who are in power that make choices around households, around municipalities, states and our federal government around the world to create a, uh, an environment, a, a climate, to use those terms again, mm-hmm. um, where those choices are operable. They can actually exercise them. They have the ability to do those things. So, you know, realize our kids are ready for this. So yeah. let's give them the chance.
0: Yep. And then giving kids agency helps them to not worry so much when they feel like they know how they can solve the problem. And so talking to your kids about the uh, these things and being real honest with where we're at, but also uh, entering those conversations with hope and optimism and real actions that you can take as a family to turn this around for your family. And then also then they can um, give the information to their neighbors and friends and community and you can get little. Uh, house parties, I, I would love to see house parties in the community where we're talking about getting on the rewiring up for America website. People are opening up the calculator and looking at what do I qualify for? How do I get these incentives? And that's what we do at Fresh Energy is trying to get the information out to all of our Minnesotans so that it's easier to um, find the money, know how you can get these rebates, and, and find the builders to be able to do this work and get your, do your part.
1: Right. right. So on the back of your Sunday paper, you'll see at the top, there's a spacer notes at the bottom. There's a, the web address for rewiringamerica.org. Um, I'm on there right now. Uh, I'm a homeowner, married, fine jointly, two people, income, two and a half million. not really. <laughs> um, zip code, um, ask for email address, but I don't need to put that in there. Hit calculate, I have, I qualify, this is really hard. I really had to put a lot of investment to figure this out. I qualify for $14,000 worth of upfront discounts, um, $8,250 in tax credits, and then my estimated energy savings per year, if I would implement them all, would be over $1,000. Total incentives to me, $22,250. I have $8,000 towards a heat pump pump for air conditioning and a heater. I I have $4,000 available to me for my electrical panel. Um, it goes on and on and on, weatherization sixteen hundred dollars uh, I could get a um, our stove is uh, we bought when we moved into our house in one thousand nine hundred and ninety one um, i i could I qualify for eight hundred and forty dollar discount for an electric induction stove chris let 's go shopping yes um, yeah yeah so uh, that was really hard. You can do it just, like i, I don 't mind if you play with your phone right now and look that up also there 's a website there for mnminnesotabike.org it's the state rebate for e-bikes mn.org you have to put it it's a little hard to navigate to so if you just go straight to e-bike-rebate-2 I don't know why there's a two but there is and it'll let you know uh, again with just a couple easy steps of how much uh, rebate you can get on an electric bike and uh, it's very generous and a great way to go so those are things that we can do right away.
0: There's also weather, weatherizing your home. Um, so it's not always just the electrical um, heat pumps or heat pump washer and dryer or electric stove, you know, which also you should know if you do have a gas stove and people are like, oh, don't touch my gas stove, right? <laughs> this is a huge debate nationally. But they put out uh, bad gas in your house all day long because your pilots are going in your gas dryers and your grass stoves. So you improve the air quality in your home if you replace it to an induction stove. I was kind of a naysayer. I love my gas stove and more traditional. um, But I was able to work on an induction stove, and I was amazed at how great it actually works. So you can go to, if you're going to the fair, they have the Eco. uh, eco-building. eco-building. I think they have some of these appliances that you can look at and try out. Um, also at Fresh Energy, we have a breakfast. Uh, our annual breakfast is on October 12th. We're going to have an all-electric fair. Um, so that's going to be, we call it the fair of the future. So you can join. That doesn't cost anything to come. It's a free breakfast if you want to come and get more information there as well. We'll have some great speakers and Stacy Abrams will be there, mm-hmm. uh, not be there, but Video um, messaging as well. Uh, um, she's working with Rewiring for America. So lots of really good resources also on our website at fresh energy or fresh energy.org. I wanted to make sure I get that in because people want more information. Right. Um, and then there's a really cool um, new program through AmeriCorps, and they're putting together a conservation core. Um, and so if you know young people who are, you know, just getting out of high school or new in college, I think it pays about $30,000 a year for the AmeriCorps member, a little bit more than what they normally make because they've gotten an additional uh, foundation grant. Uh, and then also some tuition reimbursement and some housing stipends and full health benefits. So a really great way for young people to get into this energy field and a, a entry level position. So I hope you go to Serve Minnesota, look that up if you have a young person in your life who wants to do some of this work.
1: Right, one of the things that uh, Brenda really helped me see when we were talking about all this is how, um, you know, our kids are ready to have this integrated into their world and, and how they live. So, you know, a couple things like, all of our children should be being prepared for a career that reflects our new environmental relationship. Absolutely. And it doesn't matter if they're a plumber, an artist, a finance person, a doctor, teacher, um, but how does that work? Uh, Another component to that, well, so our schools, like can we lobby our schools? Can we work with our schools so that they have that in mind? They're creating the scientists, uh, all the people, just the the mindset, the heart, the heart set, as well as some of the skills for those sorts of fields that we are going to be needing. And then also just to have this totally woven into the curriculum that our kids are learning so that they are growing up to be environmentalists rather than consumers. And um, uh, New Jersey, uh, that... You pointed out was the first state to implement um, standards, educational standards around climate change. So I went to their website, the New Jersey um, education website, to see how it was. I was looking and I couldn't find a climate change component. And then I, as I looked, I said, oh, they implemented it at this point, but they put it into every subject area. It isn't its own area. It's woven into and mandated in every subject area. And I thought, that's exactly what we want to do, what we need to do.
0: And they're building it with a hope and optimism rather than a doom and gloom, right. which is, you know, you want, it, you want kids to feel a sense of hopefulness around these rather than you know, all the problems, right. You know, what can, what can they do? Cause we're not going to solve it in our generation. It's going to be a multi-generational uh, endeavor and our kids have to feel as though they're making progress and being able to show the progress that they're making so that they continue to support the new behaviors. Right.
1: Uh, on the, also at the, on the back of the Sunday paper, if you look at the very top, there's something that kind of came out of our conversations and it's pretty simple, just, you know, straightforward. But instead of being afraid, Discover your agency. Like, what can I do? What am I, I've got all this energy built up in this balloon. I, I could actually do something that, with that rather than just feel the pressure of it and try to juggle it all, right? Um, discover your agency, then take action. See what works. What works? What works what's, what's for you, and what does the world need from you? Then join in with others. Don't do this alone. Join in with others and be supported by them. Be a part of something bigger than yourself. And then look for signs of progress. And it's so key. And share them. When you start seeing progress in places, let other people know about it. Let them see it because that's the sort of um, buoying up that helps us so much. And th- I think those four steps let us take all that energy we experience around these uh, issues and turn it into proactivity rather than paralysis. And that is going to be so key for us in the future. Um,
0: Yeah, you know, one one area is um, transportation. Okay. So that's an area of progress, EVs. Now by 2025, over 50% of all new cars will be EVs. And so we're seeing that, we don't even think that that's a huge problem for us anymore for personal vehicles. Everybody's gonna move to EVs over the next decade. It's just gonna happen sort of like the seatbelt because it's just gonna be cheaper They're going to get better range. Uh, Toyota just announced a battery that they have that can recharge in 10 minutes and get over 800 miles on one charge. That's going to be a game changer. And so that should be available in the next three to five years, um, that technology. And so it becomes much more affordable. And EV cars don't need a lot of maintenance. And so they last a lot longer. So the investment is actually worth it. Um, But it does have some upfront costs and that's why the federal government is giving those incentives as well as uh, the state of Minnesota. So if your car is breaking down and ready for um, a a replacement, I would encourage you to start looking at EVs, but you might want to wait one or two years for the technology to really be in a good place.
1: But don't be afraid to be an early adopter. I mean, that's that demand, right? <laughs> that's do, what's going to create it. If you can it and,
0: afford it, be an early adopter. Yeah. And,
1: um, and I totally sympathize with the lack of charging stations, et cetera, et cetera. But guess what? I mean, I, I remember reading in the history books about the same thing when cars are being introduced and the you know, farmers saying, well, I would buy one of those engine powered you know, buggies, except I'd have to go 40 miles to a gas station to get gas. Well... That infrastructure all got developed the, to, you know, to process the, uh, the oil, to turn it into gasoline, and to get it distributed. It all had to happen, and it was good for the economy. It was good for jobs. It supplied the cars we needed. The same thing will be happening with our electrical system. But it takes time, and it takes focus, and it takes us, it takes our support. Um, uh, so, you know, as parents and adults, grandparents, aunts, uncles, whatever we are, um, and, and as kids, you know, that's, Let's step out and do some of those uncomfortable things, right? Like when you send out that invitation to your birthday party or your kid's birthday party, are you willing to say on there, please no plastic toys? Or please buy gifts that have minimum packaging for them? That's really important to our family and to our world. Are, Are you willing to ruffle some people's feathers to make that statement? Are you willing to tell them when you get in our car, you have to wear a seatbelt? Like, yeah, because it means you're more likely to survive. Bingo. Are you willing to um, say, no, 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 that doesn't go in recycling. That goes into the compost, and this is why. Are you willing to do the work that you know um, what goes into what bin and to actually make sure it gets there at home and here at the Falls when you put stuff into the containers over there? Are you willing to, to ask the people that visit your house, would you please be responsible about these things as well? If you need have questions, just ask me and so on. Are we willing to do those things that maybe to some of us at least feel kind of uncomfortable We're pushing people in order to be doing what's right as a world for all of us?
0: There's even harder choices for full communities in the states around transmission lines. Nobody wants to have transmission lines come through their backyard. They call these NIMBY laws, not in my backyard. And it's these siting and permitting issues that are really, really challenging and sometimes pit conservationists and environmentalists and you know policymakers against one another when we really all have the same goal. But we're going to have to make hard choices to do things we don't want to do in terms of these transmission lines or other projects or a solar array. And putting it in a, um, putting it some up in a park, for instance, because people think they're ugly, or maybe they interfere with wildlife, um, or they might interfere with, um, you know, pollinator garden or something like that. We, as a people, are going to have to make tough decisions over the next decade that are kind of choices we wouldn't make otherwise if we didn't have to, because the the burden of not changing is greater than the burden of um, changing, I guess.
1: Yeah. Um, yes. So, you know, I, this is, this is a spiritual of a, uh, conversation as we can have. Uh, you don't need to quote the Bible or any other sacred book to say that we're supposed to be at one with this world. Um, We're supposed to be stewards that care for, not just use this world. And so much of the rest of life and the systems that exist on this planet depend on the decisions we make as people. Um, If you want to talk about God that way, does God want us to make those hard decisions and live that way or not? (laughs) You can't argue it. I mean, yes, um, we're supposed to. So how can we do that and how do we support each other in doing it? You will, I will, we all will continue to feel anxiety around these issues. We will feel the worry. We'll feel those problems. Um, that doesn't necessarily go away, but we can either dwell there, or we can just keep blowing up those balloons, or we can move it into discovering our agency and using that energy and, um, and making decisions, trying things. You'll notice the first couple balloons I released at this all missed. Yeah, that's okay. We're going to make some mistakes. We're going to do some wrong things that maybe even make the situation work sometimes, but we're doing it in order to find the right things, right? Mm-hmm. And to find what does work. And that, that's what's important. And we need to do it together. And your attitude, no matter what it is, is infectious. If you're worried and anxious and helpless and, and uh, you know, doomsdaying, you will make other people feel that way. If you're positive and proactive and excited and that will be infectious too. So let's be that kind of infectious. Uh, don't expect all that worry to go away. It's still going to be there, but just keep directing it. And I think the more agency we have, the more that we are involved, the more that we're connected and hearing this stuff, the easier it is for us to convert that energy into something positive that makes a difference for us all. So um, let's try to do that together. Brenda, yes. thank you for being with us well, today. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. You know,
0: sometimes you think not just... You think, I'm just one person, I can't make a difference, but that's actually the only way that we actually will make a difference is if we start with ourselves, spread that to our neighbors, to our full community, and our entire state and community and world. That's right. Thank you.
1: We'll be talking about that more next week, but that whole idea that you are not one in 7 billion people, no, you are one of 7 billion people. And together, we're going to change this world.
2: Thanks for listening. We hope this podcast sparks conversation in other parts of your life. If you're looking for meaningful connections, there's a Fabric group for you to try out, whether you're in the Twin Cities or not. Tag at Fabric MPLS with your wonderings on social media and find resources on our website, FabricMPLS.com.